Many of you know that I'm going around taking censuses and knocking on doors. And during the week, two people recognized me. And that was a very good thing, because once we go to a place three times, then we start asking the neighbors if anyone lives there, is it a vacant house, if they know how many people. Uh, and uh, these two parishioners uh, really helped me out, because we had been to the house 11 times. And uh, I got the answer, so that was good. Uh, the bad thing this week, though, with, with taking the mask on and off so many times, um, I lost one of my hearing aids. What? <laughs> so it's gone somewhere. I don't think anyone else will put it on. A car probably ran over it. But we'll get there. Do you remember uh, as a child uh, the Confucius saying, uh, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. That saying might contribute to, to living a peaceful kind of life, but it does not fit into the tradition of Jesus or Ezekiel. In the first reading, we, we heard about Ezekiel, and you read that very well, that reading, very, very slow and giving us time for the mind to take on the images. Pity Ezekiel the prophet. His greatest problem, burden, was the fact that unlike the monkeys, he did have eyes to see and ears to hear and a mouth with which to speak in the name of God. God had appointed Ezekiel as a watchman over the house of Israel. And his mission was to protect the people from the evil in their own community. And that's a thankless task, saving people from themselves. The prophet who has received this costly blessing of sharing the concerns of God's heart acts like someone impelled by the divine so that he or she cannot remain idle when people are, are defiling creation or debasing others. Prophets denounce sin because they themselves are offended by sin and they are painfully aware that silence equates complicity with the sinner. People often think of the prophet as a naysayer, like the cartoon character who carries the sign proclaiming, the end is near. But it says nothing about what people should do. Well, today's reading portrays prophets as people who are, I'd say, grounded in hope. Prophets recognize evil for what it is, very toxic, degradation of what can be and should be. The prophet names evil in order to reveal the alternative to the evil. So God warned Ezekiel in that reading that if he did not speak out, he would be responsible for the fate of the evil people. 
Ezekiel's vocation was really to, to save sinners, not to denounce sin. And the genuine prophet does exactly that. He's motivated by love, the love we heard about in today's second reading, the love which God has for all of his creation, all of his people, both those who are offended and those who do the offending, the sinner and the sinless. So in today's gospel, Jesus outlines the methodology for dealing with community members who do evil. He proposes a four-step incremental process to call members of the community to amend their ways. First, begin with a one-on-one -one conversation about the issue. Then second, gather some additional witnesses if that is necessary. The third part of the process is, is call for a synod or a formal gathering of the Christian community. And even when this four, third step fails to bring the person around, the community has to make a public stand and declare that that person refuses to be in communion with the rest of us. We're not one of heart, one of mind. And why this process? Well, Jesus designed this teaching to bring people back into community, back together again. And this demands a huge amount of integrity on the part of those who initiate the process and on the community that moves it forward. We don't just point out others' sins. We have to continue to love the person and put that person first and foremost so that they can return fully to God's family. So Jesus is teaching us when, when something is done wrong, our responsibility is to win the person back. To put it in stark terms, Jesus says, whenever someone does something wrong and offends you, do everything in your power to help him or her. Trying to get even gets us off track in our own following of the Lord. So Jesus' approach is to focus on the person, not the offense. Jesus' approach wants us to be concerned that a choice for evil is ultimately as damaging to the evildoer as it is to the community. He teaches us we're responsible to try to save the sinner. Now, this year, unlike ever before, we are confronted by the interrelated challenges of an environmental crisis, institutional racism, and the COVID-19 pandemic. Pope Francis suggests that, that the Holy Spirit may be working uniquely through this trifecta. So in addition to COVID-19, the, the crisis to the earth with global warming and the crisis of relationships among people, everything is really intimately connected. So this teaches us we've 
got to try and understand these three crises if we're going to try to eliminate them from our common future. Like the Israelites who were in exile, COVID-19 combined with the climate change and our growing awareness of, of systemic racism might be a blessing in disguise, offering all of us a graced chance to, to change the course of history and, and get it more right than we have up to this point. So, so the evils I think facing us are global, not just personal. It's time to open our eyes, open our ears, and open our hearts so that we can assume the responsibility and speak in the name of the Lord on behalf of, of creation and on behalf of all the people of the earth. Ezekiel, the prophet, reminds us of this responsibility. And Jesus has promised to be with us throughout this process. So the moment has come for us to be Christians, people baptized to be prophets, not people who see no evil or hear no evil or speak no evil. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.